as I continue the teachings on things that happen to me, we're talking about things that happen in general, things that happen to us uh, corporately, collectively, uh, just things that happen, things are happening that we've never seen happen before. And we thank God for his word because we realize that God speaks into the situations that uh, take place in our lifetimes. And another part that's uh, good for us to know is that God had full knowledge of all things. The things that's happening, they do not take God by surprise. God already had knowledge that these things would happen. And here's another part, and he was preparing us, and is yet preparing us, so that we can face the future with hope. We can face the future with hope. We are not a hopeless people. So uh, today, we talk about the things that's happening, things that are happening to us oftentimes. I call them mishaps, things that would otherwise be surprising, or they are surprising to us. Today, I'm going to say, what do we do? This is today's title. What do we do when things happen? What do we do? What is our response, reaction to things as they happen? Things that happen, things that happen. Job said something that I think we need to pay attention to, we need to address here in Job chapter 3, verse 26. He said something because I believe it helped us to understand or at least uh, identify with him in this particular verse. He says in verse uh, 26 of the third chapter, he says, I am not at ease. I'm not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, for trouble comes. I'm not at ease. In other words, I'm restless. I'm not quiet. I have no rest. I'm restless, for trouble comes. The uh, message says it this way, uh, beginning with the 25th verse. He says, the worst of my fears, in the 25th verse, the worst of my fears have come true. The worst of my fears have come true. The thing that I greatly feared, I think that's how he puts it, the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. So the thing that I they say, the thing, my nightmare has become my reality. That was my nightmare, the thing that I dreamed of. And I was restless at night because these were nightmares, he said. But now my nightmares have come true. they become my reality. He said, what I've dreaded most has happened. Thing that I would not like to happen the most that's the thing that happened. My repose is shattered, my peace destroyed. No rest for me, ever. Death has invaded me. Death has invaded me. I look like death is all around me. We just talked about what is taking place, what has taken place in Syria and Turkey. We begin to see, if you're there, you would smell the scent of death all around you. Look at what has taken place even uh, in, in uh, we begin to look at in Ukraine. I had opportunity to be in Ukraine some years ago, and I saw a lot of those beautiful buildings and those, those beautiful, I mean, the architecture of those old 
buildings and all. Now they are totally destroyed. Uh, but when you go there now, you would smell the sin of death, death all around you, the, the, the fact that there's no security. You don't know when Russia may launch a missile in, in, in the midst of the people and the place that you would think to be most secure. He said, those are the places that are currently under attack. He says, so we look at it as being something that's uh, in another place. We see it on television, but let me tell you something. Things happen. Things happen. If things are happening around us, then things could possibly happen to us. And what, what, what he was saying, and this is what Job was saying, he says, the thing that I greatly feared, the thing that I would least like to see happen has happened. But my message today is what do you do when they happen? What do you do? What kind of position are you to take when things happen that you didn't expect to happen or you would not like to see happen? And that's why we're here. That's really why we're here. We're here to hear the word of the Lord so that God can prepare us for the things that are about to happen. So when they happen, we will be prepared for them and know how to, how, how to respond to the things that happen. Now, this is what I want you to think about when we think about things happening. Things that happen to us oftentimes, uh, when they happen to individuals, they happen to a people group, something happens within that individual or even to that culture where there are behavioral modifications. Behavioral modifications. We change our behavior. It's hard, it's, I would say it's literally impossible to do business as usual when things are happening like that. You, you can't just go to the grocery stores when the grocery stores are being bombed and when there's no groceries to even purchase. You, you see, so you have to, you, you see, so how do you manage life when things happen? How do you manage life? How do you, what do you do? Things that you've grown accustomed to being in place are no longer there. You, you see, I, I, I'm saying this because uh, the Bible sp speaks of those times of, of drought. And it speaks of those times of lack and when people are desperate. Those are things that have been prophesied that, that the, these things happen, and, and we experience a bit of it, a degree of it, here in America, but let me tell you something, but we see it all around us. So we see behavior modifications, and, but let me tell you something, but behavior has been in a constant state of being modified even uh, throughout the years, because whether we say we talk about moving or being uh, prepared for things that are about to happen or modifying our behavior so that we adapt to the changes that are taking place. But let me tell you something. I think one person said, one thing that will never change is that there will all, we'll always be in a state of change. Things are changing all around us. And behavioral scientists are those that uh, are such that they begin to study human actions based upon activities taking place around us. 
So we begin to see people that study that. And what are they doing? Uh, they're processing information. When the information comes their way, they process it. And they, after processing it, they look at, and I said, now, how should I act based upon this particular thing or that particular thing and the other? So we begin to see where there is behavioral modifications. But they're studying this ahead of time. They're not just looking at <clears throat> how things are now, but they're looking down the, down the street. They said, if these things, information now, <coughs> pardon me, if these things continue as they're continuing, let's project into the future. That means that things are going to be moving in a particular direction. It's going to be moving in a particular direction. So therefore, to be ahead of the to be ahead of the curve, let us make sure that we're prepared for the things that appear to be inevitable. So the behavioral scientists begin to study human behavior. They begin to look at things as they have changed and as they are changing and the direction to which change is taking place. And when they study that, now they begin to... Uh, prepare for. They say, well, uh, let me tell you, even in commercials, if it's moving this way, we need to put commercials in such a way. We need to be on top of the change. We need to be ahead of the change. So when you begin to see things on television, you wonder why are they putting so much emphasis on a particular thing? Because they've studied changes. They've looked at how changes had occurred historically, and they're projecting into the future, so therefore, what they're doing, and let me hear something, and if anything, they're speeding up the process of that change, because when you begin to, let's say you put the picture out there, you begin to project a particular image based upon what they consider to be the changes taking place, they're really participating in the change. So when you watch television, you're not just watching, you see what happens, I like the word television. They're telling you, a, they're giving you a vision. They're telling you how to envision life. This is how you need to see life. This is how you need to process information. And you don't realize that while you're watching a program, you are being programmed. Do you see that? You are being programmed, and you don't even realize it. But things, because what happens, you get to the place where you can accept a thing that you would, have, you would have rejected beforehand, but it's such a subtle thing because, understand, you're not just dealing with individuals, you're dealing with a culture that's changing. And if everything is changing around you and moving in a particular direction, then who are you to move opposite of the changes that are occurring around you? So people, by default, just fall in line, and they get in step with the changes that are, in fact, occurring. So this is what happens. This is what happens. So now, what happened, when those changes are taking place like that, what it does, it tears down your defenses against those things that you would have otherwise rejected. You see, otherwise, you would say, well, I, I, I would never, before the changes had occurred, I'd never, I'd never do this, I'd never do that, I'd never do the other. See, in fact, that's grotesque. That's terrible. How, how could you ever think this way? How could you ever believe this to be the truth? But when it begins to suddenly happen, and then you're watching it, you're seeing it happening all around you, 
eventually said, well, I mean, I, at what, you stop even thinking that you used to think the way you used to think. You, you stop even thinking that way. You say, well, I never, you, in fact, I've seen people say, I never thought, I never was against this particular thing. I just, you, you see, and then people come against their home training, they come against, you see, they come against the instructions of the past, they reject all, all, all every, you see, in fact, absolute truth is no longer absolute to them but they accept a different truth based upon the programming that has occurred within their lives. And it tears down defenses. And, and, and what happens, it makes it very difficult for that individual to hear the word of the Lord because the word of God didn't change. The word of God didn't change. The word of God is that constant that never changes. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. But when changes are occurring around you, when instead of adjusting to what the Word is saying, people try to make the Word adapt to the changes that's taking place all around them. Maybe God didn't say this, or maybe God didn't mean that when He said this. Do you see how people do it? Maybe God, so, so the person hearing it, based upon the changes taking place around them, they too will begin to interpret the Word based upon the changes that have occurred within them. If you're not in the same place you once were in, if you don't occupy the same space that you once occupied, you best believe when you hear a message that you might have embraced in the past, now you'll take issue with that. And you say, look, it doesn't feed me any longer. I need something that's more palatable to my taste because your taste has changed. I call this the numbing of society, the dumbing down of society, how the enemy will come to the place. I call it the numbing effect where people become desensitized to the things that used to shock them. Enculturated into society, becomes a part of society. The new norm or the normalization of bizarre behavior. And then the attitude is that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. But that's not the way it's always been. That's not the way it's always been. Have you heard me talk about spiritual leprosy? So the person loses the ability to sense pain, things that were painful in the past no longer hurt you, things that your past feelings, and now you're at a place where you don't feel anything. And, and, and that's what happens. You think about even what's taking place in Turkey and Syria. When you see those, all of those bodies that, that, that's, being, uh, that's lying out there, all the people, those buildings that's being destroyed, and how does it affect you? But we've seen so much of it. First of all, we've seen the games being played, you see, where you shoot down the enemy and you, you begin to see a lot of carnage and all of that, even in game playing and, and the like. But it's all, and, and that's why we begin to see shooting and, 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 and a lot of the, the, the gangs, not just gangs, but individuals, children, will begin to look at taking a gun and shooting someone in, uh, and, and, and thinking nothing of it because they bec it's the numbing down of society, the dumbing down of society, the desensitizing of a people that no longer think the way they used to think or feel the way they feel. And then can you imagine a whole generation that's moving in that direction? And then people wonder, say, why do we need Bible? Why do we need the Word? Why do we need church? 
But then in the dumbing down society, church has become what people want church to be rather than God intended for church to be. You see, how would, what kind of church you like? I like a church where we have fun. I like a church where we enjoy ourselves. I, I, I like a church where everybody is just so loving towards one another I, we, and accepting and, and tolerant. And, uh, you, you follow what I'm saying? And, and what you're really looking to, you, I want a church after my own image. I want a church, I want a God that's after, because your church represents your God. And I want a God that's after my own image rather than God and be made or transformed into his image. It's a matter of saying, I want a God that's after my image. That's the same thing that Lucifer attempted to do in the beginning when he began to say that I will ascend to the Most High. I will be like God. You see, it's a matter of, it's not just competing with God. Hath not God said, he said, even to Eve. It wasn't competing with God. It was replacing God because he wasn't looking for equality. He was looking at becoming deity himself and bringing God in subjection to himself. Now, now with all of this, there's something that you probably studied, talk about presuppositions, presuppositions. What, what happens? Our presuppositions are the things that I believe are so uh, important to this day and this time. It's a thing that tacitly assumed beforehand at the beginning of a line of an argument or a course of action. What do you think before you act? That's your presupposition. Before you put forth any action, before you move in any direction, what, you see, what kind of mindset has already been developed within you? Am I talking to the right people? I'm not, I'm not losing you because I have to take you step by step in this. Uh, what is your presupposition? What, when, when you came here, everybody has a bent. When you came in here, you, had, you came with a mindset. And it's going to, what you're hearing has to go through the filter of your mind. And when it goes through the filter of your mind, you're going to arrive at a conclusion based upon how you filter what you've heard. Now, some people hear it and say, you know what, uh, uh, Pastor Walker, uh, this stuff, it doesn't, it, it doesn't apply to me. We're somewhere else. I'm trying to see how to pay my bills. I'm trying to see how to, how, how to handle my children. How to, you see, your presupposition, I, I want to share some things on that after a while. Because if you look at the presuppositions and there's an expectation, there's a, you, you see, you came here uh, with assuming beforehand at the beginning uh, of the discussion that we're having here and understand and there's a course of action that you've already determined. And, and, and here's what God says, when he co we come into an environment to hear the word of the Lord, you may come with a presupposition, but God, we talk about changing mindsets, right? What, what is our vision statement? Bridging what? Stay right there. Changing mindsets. Your mindset is your presupposition. Are you saying this? Your mindset is your presupposition. Now, what do you expect me to do? Do you expect me to feed into that so that the message is of such that it fits perfectly into your line of thinking? 
so that when you hear it, you're not disturbed the least bit by what you're hearing? You see? Now let me tell you what happens here. If you come with a presupposition or an expectation and that expectation is not met, what do you do? You leave. You leave. Now, listen how you leave. You don't have to leave physically always. But your heart can, that's right, check out and move on. You see, what I mean by that is that you're at a place, you say, well, get this thing over with. Because I, I think I can bear, I think I can endure at least 20 minutes or 25 minutes of this kind of challenge because it's almost like going, you say, what happens? It's a strain to my mind. It's a strain to my, to the being, the person that I am. And I have to endure that for the period of time that I've allotted for that to happen. But I can't wait until this is over so I can be what? I can be myself. So I can go back to my familiar. And what happens? You wasted your time, and I wasted my try time trying to help you to see that there's something beyond the thing that you've established as your own presupposition. Now, are, are you hearing me now? Are you hearing me? So now, look what happens. So, so it debunks basic truths. Foundational fundamental truths are debunked. You get to the place where you have to reject the Word of God for the most part. And, and let me tell you something. There are, there are practical atheists out here that aren't always professing atheists. But a practical atheist is a person that's rejected the Word of God. He's rejected God altogether because now he can no longer handle the truth. And he's a practicing atheist, so he has said in his heart, God is, there's no God. Ridicule, and I'm going to tell you something that, that oftentimes contributes. We mentioned all, talked about entertainment beforehand, but also when we ridicule things that are sacred. When you make light of things that are sacred, one of the things that I have to be very careful, I said, let me, let me make sure that when I get before you, I ain't playing, that you don't take me as a joke. Because when you take light, when you make light of things that are sacred, then oftentimes just being lighthearted or whatever, you, you, then you don't take this thing as seriously as you ought to take it. Those who, uh, uh, those who want you to believe a particular thing or think in a particular way, look what they'll do now. They are the ones that oftentimes are involved in in this whole thing of social engineering, they want you to believe a particular way in a particular direction because they say that it's profitable to get you to think a particular way or to believe a particular thing. So, so what I, look here, look at it this way. Let me put it this way. You've all gathered here. Let's suppose I was a shyster. I was a shyster. And I look at, I look at all these people, I'm looking at all these folks sitting down here, and I'm watching, I got some people watching on television, and, and what I'd like to do, I, I want to, uh, I, I think in my heart of hearts, I want to be a millionaire. I know I'm messing with your mind here. I, I want to be a millionaire. I think I want to be a millionaire. 
My goal is to be a millionaire. So, so what am I doing? My dream, you, you talk about dreaming. I dream of being a millionaire. I dream of having luxury. I dream of having houses and land and, 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 and all kind of vehicles and, and the like. I dream of that. This is my dream. This is my vision. My vi and I look at it. I said, let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> How many watching? Now call in. Now call in. Call in. How many of you are watching? Call in now. I want you to call in, and I want you to make yourself known. And send an offer. Help us with our, to carry out the mission to which God has assigned us. I want you to help. I want you to help. I want you to help us. But in my heart of hearts, you see, and, and then, then, then you see, now in order to manipulate you, I, I'm not messing with some stuff, but I got to tell it. Look, look at, now, now to me, look at what we're doing. Look at what we're doing. We, we're feeding, you see these hungry kids over here? See, we're feeding them. They would have anything to eat unless we fed them. But watch what happens. But my mission is, my dream is, uh, I have visions of grandeur. I have visions of greatness. One of these days, I'm going to be so great that people have to take notice of me. They're going to have to recognize how great I am. Are you hearing something? Are you hearing something? But in order to get there, I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, twelve. 15, 20, go Are you saying something here? Because y'all can help me fulfill my vision, but I have to get you to think that the most important thing to me is feeding these little children with the stomachs that are swollen. But let me tell you something. Yes, my message would be deceptive, but I too would be deceived. That's the point I'm trying to make here. I, too, would be deceived. Why? Because there's something that I'm not seeing based upon my own presupposition. I had measured success based upon the trappings of success rather than God's measure of success. Are you seeing this? See, I mentioned, I, I have measured, you see, how many of you running, Doc? Man, I got, I got them coming and going from, I got churches all over the place. I got people coming from everywhere. You see, I measured success the wrong way. But the reason I measure it this way is because of my own deception. So that's what the Bible says. It says, deceiving and being deceived. Are you saying this? Because the deceivers themselves are deceived into believing. Their presuppositions are such that they measure success based upon whatever they measure it by. So therefore, on a lesser scale, they deceive others into buying into their vision by projecting what, they would, what people would like to see as being their vision. Oh, I wish you could see this. So now, what happens? Deceived by mammon and now deceiving others by manipulation to give them what they want you to give them. 
Now, look at what happens. It's the same game that plays deceived by sex. Deceived by sex or drugs. What happens does the drug pitcher do? He deceives by sex. I'll give you drugs. I'll give you. Don't think he's just being generous to give you drugs. I'm giving you drugs because if I give you drugs, you're going to come back to get some more. And let me, well, well I, I, I'll give you some more drugs. And I'll keep giving you drugs to get you hooked on drugs. And once I get you hooked on drugs, I don't have to further manipulate you to respond because the drugs themselves will drive you in the direction that I want you to go. Same thing with sex. Same thing with sex. What happens? People become uh, so sexualized that the image of it all is of such that they begin to say, now, uh, uh, this is where they are. So now, as a result of that, they said, now, the sex itself. What is the sex for? The sex, it all leads to something else. It's not that the person is desirous of sex, but it's the money behind it. It's the money. It's not the drugs themselves. It's the money behind it. It's support. You see, supporting, you're, you're dealing with your habit to support their habit. Manipulators are being manipulated by, high, but they're being manipulated by a power that's higher than themselves. Now, going back to presuppositions, this is what it is. If I accept this thing to be true, one thing to be true, just one thing, you say, well, your presupposition, all he has to do is convince you of one thing. If I accept this thing to be true, it makes uh, it easier for me to believe these other things to be true. That's how he does it. If I get you to accept, here's a presupposition, if I get you to agree with one thing, the, presupp the presupposition will open the door of your heart to accept what would otherwise be rejected. All I have to do is neutralize something that you in the past rejected. And now you say it's not that bad. There's much more attached to that thing than you realize. That's why, that's why our heart must be, and I'm headed this way, that's why hearts must be directed towards pure, purity, have a purity of heart. It must be towards love, and that love must be defined by God. Because anything else, you're postured or subject to be manipulated. He can manipulate. You see, we get to a place you say, I love, love, uh, love, I love, I love. But yet God is not the object of your affection. But I love. You're postured to be manipulated. You see, I had the best intentions. All I wanted to do is love. All I wanted to receive is love. All I wanted is for somebody to accept me. Now watch the manipulator. If he's a drug pusher, he says, baby, I love you. But, but let me tell you how you're to respond to my love. I want you to sell drugs. I want you to sell your body. I want you to do something to prove it. I want you to do something to prove it. Prove to me that you love me by doing what I want you to do what I want you to do. And as long as you're doing what I want you to do, then you're going to get from me what you're desirous of. But it's really love being redefined 
by the manipulator rather than love buying, being defined by the one where love originated. So now, look what he does. He gets to the place, so now the enemy says, okay, that's what you like. You like, you like, you like uh, sex, you like this, you like that, the other. What we'll do, uh, uh, social scientists again. You, 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 I, I want to sell this car. I want to sell this car. But now I see, a, I see a society that have opened their hearts and their lives to promiscuity. Now they're sex-driven. They're, they're, they're sex-driven. Everything is sexualized. They're, they're, now it gets to a place not only sexualized, now the lines are being crossed, even, even in relation to what God has already is, he's established as being sex between a husband and a wife, not just a man and a woman, but a husband and, are you hearing me now? A husband and a wife. But when you're overly sexualized, watch what he does now. He says, now, what am I going to do? Here's the commercial. Vision. Tell her. Vision. What am I going to do? First of all, we'll start by showing you a picture of a beautiful car that we want you to buy. But we're going to put a beautiful half-dressed woman on the hood of that car or coming out of that car or admiring you when you drive that car. <laughs> and what happens, what do you do? Visual. So when you see the picture of that, watch what happens in your mind. I envision myself as being the person driving that car and the woman that's attracted to me if I drive that particular car. That ain't you, but now you become that person. I know this is true because I become basketball players almost every week. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've dunked, slam dunked the ball and, 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 and turned around and shot three-pointers. I've done it all. <laughs> In fact, I just won. I just won uh, 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 more points than any. <laughs> I just broke a record the other day. Did you hear me? <laughs> I watched LeBron James, but when I saw him do that, you see what happens? In my mind, I became... Because he's black too? <laughs> Are you seeing something? Are you seeing something here? So, so, so what happens? You become that. You become what you see. You become the vision that's, that's projected becomes your reality. And people don't realize it. So now they take it. They say, well, what other vision? If I can get you to accept that. If I can set, get you to accept the other, if I can get you to accept the fact that women will be attracted to you if you drive a particular car. Now, now society is slowly and very subtly bringing you into a mindset that's contrary to the will of God. Because the whole world lies under the what? The sway of the wicked one. So now, what do we want to do now? We want to, so, so now, same-sex attraction isn't something that just happened. It has always been. But it hasn't always been advertised. He said, but now, look like the trend is moving in that direction. Look like, look like, look like every, you see, if we want to get ahead of the curve, we're going to have to become more diverse in our thinking, more accepting in our practices. 
So what do we do now? Let's do it with a commercial. Let's do it a commercial. But, but, but let's do it this way. How can we do it? Can we just do it? Because we know the downside of it because there are people that have died from AIDS and people have died from all kinds. So, so what we'll do, we, 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 will, we will take that, even the most, uh, I would say the most devastating disease, where we'll make it attractive. <laughs> and we'll say, well, who's to tell you who to love. And let me show you something that's going to, that would have been shocking some years ago. I'm going to show you a man loving his lover that's taking a drug that's supposedly not getting him free from the disease, but at least bringing the disease under control. That didn't just happen. That took years of social engineering before the product was presented. But then when we see this much happening in our day, how much more may be lying in the future that the devil may be up to that he's not put on display as of yet? But if it continues in this trend, then I just heard the other day that now uh, uh, they talk about abortion and, and, and all of that, now there, they have, there is a church of Satan that's engaged in satanic abortion rituals. Have you read this? Look it up. Look it up. It's in, it's in there. Satanic rituals, abortion rituals, where the ritual is to kill the child in a satanic ritual. And you think about it some years ago. You mean to tell me, I understand abortion, but now you talk about a ritual when it's ritualistic, now it's spiritualized. Not only is it no one to tell me what to do with my body, now I can use that as a religious practice. And now satanic rituals are taking place. I think that's in Oregon or somewhere that they have this thing particular, this thing going on. So, so you see, now, now I want you to see what's happening here. Uh, conclusion, the line of thinking is leading to where, where will it eventually land? What I allow to happen to me without resistance is tearing down my defense. Whatever I allow without resistance will tear down your defense. In other words, if you, keep, if you keep tearing down your defense, eventually you'll have nothing to fight with. Or there would be no cause worthy enough for you to defend or fight for. He says, so now it's a matter of just living and let living because life now has become meaningless. Life itself has no significance. That's what, that's what the, uh, the writer uh, in Ecclesiastes was saying when he said, vanity of vanity. All is vanity. He said, smoke is smoke. Everything is fake. We live in a fake world among fake people. 
And the truth of the matter is, we ourselves would be fake. There's no God because God is a stabilizer. He's the one that gives, gives meaning to life. He's the one that gives meaning to life. You take God out of the picture. I'm not talking about church out of the picture. God out of the picture. Or take God out of the church, and this is what you're left with. It becomes like a seething pot about to boil over into every area of society until you reach this breaking point. And when you reach this breaking point, then things begin to erupt and to boil over. And you begin to wonder what's happening and why is it happening this particular way. You see, you see, people have moved from the place that God would have them to occupy. Many have moved from that place. And if you moved out of the place that God would have you occupy, you're out of place. Your life is misaligned. And what you need is to be rightly instructed. That's why you're here, to be rightly instructed in the truth. Because misery is a part of this cultural adaptation. The habits that eventually become routine in our lives are highlighted as sinfulness and an offense to God. That's when it gets real. We see it as sin. Sin then becomes exceedingly sinful. That's what the scripture says. We begin to see it as exceedingly sinful. We'll never get there. When we see it, I'm talking about the little stuff. You see, lay aside every weight and the sin that would so easily beset us. When the weight, you say, it's not that bad. That can still be the weight that leads to the sin. So when that weight, that thing that you consider, well, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with that? When you begin to fudge or begin to just borderline, you're on the borderline of that offense. Let me tell you something. It's just a matter of time before you take the dive. So sinful practice is not aware of the damage that's done to the soul because when you do it, you've done damage. So now we mentioned presupposition. The damage is done to the soul. Your soul is what? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Did you realize that when you sin, that your mind is no longer the mind you had beforehand? You don't will the same thing you used to will. You don't feel, last week we talked about feeling. You don't feel the same way you used to feel about matters. You don't feel the same way. So that's why it doesn't feed you, because you don't feel the same way. I was watching something. I was watching, and I had to cut it off. I watched the Grammy. I watched a few minutes of the Grammy. <laughs> I had to cut it off. I had to cut it off. But I watched a few minutes of the Grammy. And when I watched and began to listen, then I realized that they had an agenda. I had to cut it off. I had to cut it off. I said, I cannot, I can't feed my spirit with this kind of garbage. And I know some of you probably entertain, but, but I can't feed my spirit with this because I said, I know too much to sit here and be entertained by what I'm watching taking place here because I saw the agenda. It became very clear. It became very apparent to me what they were up to. It wasn't just giving applause to a particular person that had done a good job because of his or her abilities to sing. But I came to realize there's an agenda much greater than this. 
And when I saw the agenda, that's what God gives you eyes to see. When, you, when I saw the agenda, when I saw the agenda, it, 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 was, it, it, it was sickening. I saw the agenda. And, and, and when I saw it, I, I began to say, I said, this is more than entertainment. It's contributing, it's contributing to spiritual suicide among our youth and young adults. I said, they're trying to kill us. You see this? I said, they're trying to kill us. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to kill us. Along with, when you absorb the messages, the signals released by those who have different agendas than ours, it will bring you to the place of spiritual death. I, I was reading, even, even entertainment has, you say, I, I still like some entertainment, but I begin to look at even uh, the Satanists that were involved in entertainment. Did you realize many uh, people that's involved in entertainment are Satanists? They've come to the place no longer is it a secret, but they come straight on out. Beyonce and, 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 and Jay-Z. How do you think he has his name? Jay-Z, Lil Wayne and all these people. But when I begin to look into that, I'm going to look at the fact that they had sold their souls they had sold their souls. So when they, when they see them being applauded because of their, uh, their accolades and the things that they've done, you have to look at the story behind the story. How did they get there? What did it take for them to get the position that they occupy upon the stage? Yes, the world applauds because the world loves its own. Might as well pursue their success, not knowing what they were successful in. And the end of their success, there are people that's pursuing this. I want to be like. We mentioned I want to be like. I want to be like. How many Beyonce's are out there? How many Little Wayne's are out there? How many, you see, Jay-Z's are out there? What does it take to become a star in the eyes of the world? So now, what God is wanting to do, he wants us to watch and still be observant of the world, but through pure eyes. And measure things with a pure heart. Measure things with a pure heart. Being at a place where the gospel of Jesus Christ, which has been given to us, is of such to cleanse us and get rid of all those impurities that reside within us. That's why we need a straight word, a challenging word, a word that can, like you said, it's, it's, our word is like a two-edged sword piercing to the dividing of soul and spirit. Joints marrow, discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart in order to free us from cultural conditioning and accepting another gospel conducive to the appetites and tastes of this generation. God wants to free us from the world system and bring us to the place where we become authentic. And I'm out of time, but life then becomes worth living.
all of those levels beneath that robs you of the meaning of life. Where people begin to say, well, why should I even be alive? There's so much hopelessness around. But it all takes place as a result of cultural conditioning. That's why many of our youth, young adults and many others, were at this place where they want to throw it up. And it's not just physical suicide, but when you lose sense of meaning, you lose hope. And you're liable to do anything because it doesn't matter anymore. God wants to bring us back to a place of being able to reason, to think, to be at a place where things matter. They matter to us. I better quit. Father, thank you for helping us. And we see this all around us. And so tragic that the enemy has crept into the churches and he has built strongholds within many ministries who've lost sight of the most insignificant thing. But Lord, our desire is for your goodness and your glory to be established among us. That the thing that matters most as we serve a good God, that that goodness, holiness, and righteousness be established within us. So have mercy on us. Have mercy upon our generation, Lord. Have mercy upon our souls. Have mercy upon our souls. Have mercy upon our souls. Mercy upon our souls. It's too easy for us when we do nothing. Just go along with the crowd and move in the direction of the masses. But have mercy on our souls that we would always be sensitive, that we would not allow the world to squeeze us into its mold. But if anything, Lord, we will be that salt and light in our generation to speak truth to those that would hear. And even those that would not hear, at least we stood for something more than what those that have compromised are falling for. So with this, Lord, we give you the honor. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.